ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall, joined by Michael J. Flores, and we are, we're going to wrap up a set review. I feel like this is like Oath of the Set Review. Like we haven't done this in a long time. Don't remind anyone. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this. What do we need to do today? Black artifact and lands. I think we did lands, but you know, if not, we can do them again. I don't think we did lands. I, I'm looking. Oh no, you're right. You're right. It's black, black artifacts, artifacts and lands. And which is the crazy thing to me is there's all kinds of stuff. There's the five colors that we have, and then there's colorless because you know devoid. And everything. There's a whole separate section of colorless, separate from artifacts and lands, which we you know usually have anyway. And there's multicolored, right? Did we do those yet? We did. The second yeah. instance, we did green and gold. We're going to do all of these in four episodes? I believe so. We screwed up. We could have gotten paid for way more episodes. <laughs> wait, we, wait, we get paid? Just to, These are not the droids you're looking for. Oh, okay. All right. So Bearer of Silence. Bearer of Silence is one and a B for a creature Eldrazi. Surprise, surprise, he is devoid. So even though it's B in the top right corner, he has no color. When you cast Bearer of Silence, you may pay one in a colorless. If you do, target opponent sacrifices a creature and flying. This card's good, right? And Bearer of Silence can't block. So yeah, so it's a 2-1 flying with no real... I mean, I guess he can't block. But 2-1 flying for two. I think that's all right. I think... I think that... uh. People have played like two one can't block for you and a one in like the like in a standard pro tour last year. <laughs> well, in turn, that, I think that they actually some looked. You know what? I know we don't look things up, but I think Phil Napoli played that at a pro tour console guitar here. Actually, one in a blue for a two one flyer. Um, so this is one in a B for a two one flyer, devoid. So it actually just naturally is immune to ultimate price, right? Which yeah, is, that's awesome. And if you want to pay. B2 colorless for four. It's basically a necrotol of flying. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's sacrifice, it's, they, right? They sacrifice. So, like, you know, it, it, it's going to, you know, there's going to be situations where your opponent's playing some, uh, you know, a token deck, a, a deck that's spitting out a lot of creatures, and you're not going to, you're not going to be able to use this ability. But, you know, you probably just put it down as a 2 1 in that matchup and, you know, maybe side it out game two here. But. See, I feel like these, this is actually the kind of card that I find very, very difficult to evaluate. Because as a one and a B, there are way better there are way better beaters you can get in standard for two mana. All right. Right. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Way better beaters for for uh, for two mana. Um, I guess it's it's invasive flying creature can't block for two. But I, but I I also think that there's some position you can get into now in in standard where there's a there's a you know a mono blackish control deck. You know what? I'm changing my mind already. I think this card's good. Yeah, I'll I mean you, you have why. you have foul tongue invocation, you have this, you have crux of fate. If you want a bigger, like you could actually just put together a mono black control Eldrazi deck in standard. Now, different angle. The 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 Abzan beat the Abzan beatdown decks from right before rotation. They couldn't even decide if they wanted to have Hangerback Walker, Air of the Wilds, Snapping Gnarled, What they wanted at the two. I think this card's probably better overall than. Snapping Gnarlet or Air of the Wilds. Not Snapping Gnarlet is a great card. You know, I played it on, on the Pro Tour last Pro Tour around, but that wasn't a concerted beatdown landfall shell. If you're just going to play a guy, right, in a 
in a, in a deck that you know that has two power sometimes. Um, I think this guy, this guy could be the guy because you know Abzan wants to kill guys anyway. They've got such a variety of kill spells like murderous cut, ultimate price, Abzan charm, maybe you know sweeper cards sometimes. That just the ability to to clean up somebody's ojitai, right? Yeah, some sacrifice is kind of sweet. And you, yeah. you get a guy on turn two if you need it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like it also. I, I, I think like it. I think I like it in some sort of much more controlling deck that's going to run uh, some some sweepers and some uh, you know you know as many ways as possible to just like you know like basically you don't want to put eight foul tongue invocations in your deck necessarily, but if you can Maybe put eight foul <laughs> but if you get to put eight in your deck and four of them also yield a two one flyer. An uncounter and with an uncounterable ability, right? Like it's not like they can even counter the when you cast Bearer of Silence ability, right? So yeah, I like I like this card a lot actually. I don't know I don't know exactly where it goes, but I could I could imagine I can imagine a mono black I could imagine myself testing a mono black deck instead. I like it. Abzanian. And maybe in I don't I don't like it in mono black. What what lands are you gonna get the colorless off of? In, in Abzan, if you're going to play with Caves of Koilos... Oh, I and, see what you're saying. Um, and uh, uh, Land of War Wastes already, and you might play, like, one Wastes if you have an Evolving Wilds engine. Like, look at... Look, you didn't go to Grand Prix Oakland, did you, with Ben Rubin's 64-card deck? I, I did not. So, people are like, Ben Rubin screwed up, and he put four blue cards into his correctly 60-card deck, and ended up with 64 cards. But the reason that he did that was because... Um, he played all 16 fetch lands. And right. So he basically played like this tutor deck, and it reduced his likelihood of drawing the battle lands. He didn't want to draw the battle lands, right? He wanted to tutor for which battle land he wanted, using the good fetch lands, getting the, the crappy battle land that he wants, you know, typically getting a basic land to set up the next battle land drop. I think that if you think of fetch lands or evolving wilds as tutors, that kind of changes the attitude with which you can. You can build your deck, and you know that's why he ended up with a sixty-four card deck. Uh, I think here, I really think that if you're going to play with cards like Caves of Coilos, like Land of War Wastes, that's actually yielding a more, li- more, you know, greater likelihood of Bear of Silence getting the colorless payoff than if you're playing a mono black deck. Where I, w- I just imagine though, if you're playing a mono black deck, you can also you can therefore afford to play some Eldrazi lands and some Eldrazi's and do do all sorts of shenanigans there and just have your colorless mana pretty easily, right? It doesn't have to come off your caves and your things like that. You get to actually just play colorless lands that do things in your deck. I suppose both of these options are possible. Yeah, yeah. But I think either way, we both like this card and can can easily envision a world in where this card is. It might be getting played right now, at this moment, as we speak, <laughs> in a standard tournament. Really? It might, I don't know. Well, you can play standard already? Yeah, cards came out today or yesterday. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was the first of the month. I just never know these rules, I guess. Yeah, it's a week after the pre-release. It's pretty easy. Nobody can play. I went to get pizza across the street. There's a snowstorm going on. Yes. So you're going to the neighbors tonight? Like, how far does a neighbor live? Uh, On the same floor of my building. Oh, inside your building. Okay. (laughs) Like, Like, literally? Let me tell you something. Uh, Catherine and, and Bella ordered sushi. And Clark and I got pizza. And their sushi was over an hour late from Seamless. And God bless the sushi guy. You know, like only an hour late. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I got I got a uh, I got pizza and I, I went and got it myself across the street. And there was, you know, if you wanted to 
to tr- you know to Wait. to see how effective knee high boots would be. They'd be you know appropriate to try today. Let me tell you, today is the day. If you wanted to go see Book of Mormon or Hamilton or any other impossible to nab Broadway ticket, today, today and tomorrow are like the days to do it. You know, we're so lucky. Catherine and I saw Hamilton last year when it, before it was on Broadway. We saw it when it was at the Public Theater, and um, uh, uh, Wes Anderson sat in front of us. Because um, no one had ever heard of. Uh, hadn't heard of hamilton yet it was like still in i'm not what do they call that like they were just trying it out or whatever previews preview yeah so but it was, beta it was in beta it was in it was in it was in you know open beta i guess yeah you could buy tickets but yeah yeah yeah. but it's a small venue like maybe 100 seats or something you, you'd never imagine that it would turn into this phenomenon that you can't get seats for in one of the bigger broadway broadway houses but yeah like wes anderson and his date they literally looked like they walked out of a wes anderson movie like, I took a picture of them and sent it to Lan, and I'm like, Wes Anderson sitting in front of us. He's like, they're dressed like they're in a Wes Anderson movie. Like, I know. <laughs> she was wearing, like, this, like, 1970s, like, forest green and pea green wool. <laughs> and, and Wes Anderson wore a rubber Jason Schwartzman mask? Yeah, it was, it was unreal. It was unreal. Yeah. They were sitting, like, right in front of us. And, um, but anyway, um, this is the weekend. Here's the thing, Brian. This isn't going to get published until at least Monday at the earliest, and the storm will be over by then. I know. I was just saying. It was just an observation more than anything else. You're ruining people's lives, but not as badly as David Blatt's life was ruined yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he's the probable head coach of the Eastern NBA uh, All-Star team. Uh, has the highest win percentage of any coach the Cavs have ever had. And they're like, eh, we'll see you sometime. That means we're never going to see you. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if he gets another uh, NBA job. Did you read that article that uh, that Ben Murray circulated? I, I haven't. I haven't yet. I have it. I have it clipboarded. So we're um, we're we're not going to get very far into this. Lab. We, we are, might, dude. There's there's we not might that, not actually complete this. You there's not that. even a second color to talk about today. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I guess he didn't like being thought of as a rookie head coach. I think that was the big division. He's just I've won over 700 games. Won a bunch of Euro League championships. I'm a legend in Israel. I have an Olympic, you know, gold medal or I mean a bronze medal, whatever it is. And he's like, "Stop calling me rookie head coach." And like, I think that the team was just like, you know, he's "Hey rook, hey rook," you know, like they're like rubbing his hair when they win their first game or whatever stuff like that. Here's the game ball. He's like, "I'm not a rookie," and like, I don't know. I, I think he, I think he probably came from an authoritarian background and yeah. expected the team to respect but- him. I think there's. I think needed to earn the respect of the team. I think there's a real conflict for anyone coming over from a non-American basketball league. Like I think where you go, where you go anywhere else in the world where people are playing organized basketball, like high-level basketball, uh, the coach is the ultimate authority figure, right? The coach, the coach, you know, really just runs the team. And I think you know, in the United States, that's just. The, the the coach sort of manages the egos of the team in addition to everything else and doesn't get to make all the, you know, there's, there's I mean, obviously there's no scenario where the coach would say, I'm benching you, LeBron, but like the coach doesn't even have, that's not even within the realm of the possible for, for him. You don't Do you think know what that I mean? Gregory QHZZ Popovich could be like, LeBron, you're coming off the bench the rest of the season. LeBron wouldn't be like, that sounds like a great idea, Pop. I don't know. I I think I think it would I I I have a feeling that Pop couldn't handle it in a way that would be soothing to LeBron's ego. Well, I have a feeling they would clash. 
But Philip QQZHHZZ Jackson has uh, gotten Mello to play Mellow, uh, you know, play, like, actually Mellow basketball instead of Carmelo basketball. Right? He, th- yeah. This is one of his better seasons, and he's it's on the probably, wrong side of thirty. It's probably his best season. Yeah, he had a good season, I think, in two thousand fourteen when he was going to make the playoffs. But I, you guys have a shot to make the the playoffs, and I, I'm sorry I gave Phil such a hard time for so many years of terrible decisions and giving max contracts to Mello, but. You've actually done pretty well. Like your 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 uh, Lopez and Afalo signings were excellent. Um, Zinger was a great pickup. Might make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think I think Jaron Grant's actually going to be pretty good too. Like not great, but I think he's going to be pretty good. I think you're right. We better get back to Magic the Gathering. I've, <laughs> I've already devolved into praising the New York Knickerbockers. So they got demolished last night. Who was the opponent? The Clippers. The Clippers are a very good team. Like Chris, Chris like they just. Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan just were slamming basketballs through the hoop at will. Like, like like backwards, like backwards alley oops, like left handed, right handed, just like alley ooping with his face. Like it how, didn't matter. How effed up is the West, right? Chris Paul, in almost every season he's ever played, by a mile the best point guard in the league. And still like a top three point guard right now. DeAndre Jordan might have been the best player in the National Basketball Association last year. Certainly on the short list for best player at his position. Sure. You know, top three, top five at, at worst. Um, and they've also got Blake Griffin. And their wings can actually shoot this year. This team would be like, you know, a lock for the conference finals if they played in the East. No one even talks about them. Yeah. No, no one even talks about OKC. OKC is a very good team. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just crazy because the Spurs and the and the Warriors are so strong. Do you, do you know what else no one talks about? Hmm. Dread Defiler. Dread, they should be talking about Dread Defiler. This guy is 6 and a B <laughs> for a 6-8 Eldrazi. So 7 mounted for a 6-8. That's actually not that uneconomical, right? If you think about like playable 7 drops, this is in the, this is in the realm of size. He's an Eldrazi. Which once again, not not surprising, he is devoid, and he's got a he's got an ability. Three and a colorless exile a creature card from your graveyard. Target opponent loses life equal to the exiled card's power. We talked about him briefly, didn't we? We did, we did. My my question about cards like Dread Defiler is like, how many sevens and above can you fit into an Eldrazi deck, and where does this guy like you're filling up the lifeboat? with your seven mana and greater Eldrazi's, how many can you fit in there? And like, is this guy getting ahead of like, you know, you know, world be free or whatever his name is. I think, you know, most of the scenarios where where I see dread defiler being good. Um, he's in a green shell because you need to gather some packs or something to get, to get cards in the graveyard. That's, and that's a green card. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure that at the seven, I've got this guy behind world breaker. And, yeah, I mean, like World Breakers is the kind of card where I would consider just playing all the World Breakers, you know, not playing like two and two Dread Defilers. Yeah, yeah. Dread Defiler is going to be in a he's in a spot where like if you're going to play him, you're going to you're playing him on purpose, right? He's his job is to be down down there at seven, untap. You've got eight mana, and maybe they're dead or something, right? Right, right. Like you've been two causal X or something, you flip him out, and then he comes yeah, and like twenty pluses is your opponent's face. I, I can imagine some world where you buried alive this guy and then reanimate him and then <laughs> exile exile and exile the other two cards that you that you buried with him. 
you know, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I, I I like the card fine, but I just I just don't. I I have a, I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on it I in terms of like in terms of it impacting the board and being being you know in the queue of playables. Well, look, I don't know what happens when you have ten mana or eleven mana rather. You just cast him. Yeah, you, you, you like cast four him. open, and then you just know your opponent for twelve. And they have to kill him and just kill him. I mean, hopefully you know your opponent for twelve. I mean, you know, I don't I don't know. What well, what's what in your yard? Playing, like what, you know. What, 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 what are you to getting into your yard? Long game. What's that? What if I don't know Kozilek's in your yard? Because you cast him last turn. Sure. Like I think that's a possible thing. Yeah. Like yeah, just I, I think he's, I like, I understand I understand the scenarios where you play this card, I or how you play this card. I should say I just don't know. I I I, I feel like I feel like he's going to be a fringe card in the standard and modern Eldrazi world. Okay, so right now we have BDM and Michael J. both like Bear of Silence. Michael J. likes Dreaded Defiler, at least kind of. BDM doesn't like it. I don't dislike it. I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't, I just don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be, find itself coming up short. It's going to be sitting at the kid's stable, basically. Okay. Well, I like, I like the kid's stable. Uh, Essence Depleter. 2B for a 2-3 Eldrazi drone. Devoid. Uh, and it has one in a colorless target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So three three mana for a two three. It's an uncommon, and you can basically for a colorless and one drain life your opponent for one. That seems like a fantastic card in some formats, but probably not standard. Yeah, it seems pretty awesome in limited, right? Like this card, like a late game card. This card's just gonna. I would I would see myself picking this card very highly. It's a really powerful ability. Yeah, yeah. But but he's uh, just like gonna die to Doomblade, right? And by Doomblade, I don't actually mean Doomblade because <laughs> that's not legal and standard, and also not ultimate price because he's devoid. But maybe like a fiery impulse or yeah, I mean like any any kind of any kind of removal spell worth packing in a standard deck almost. Yeah, like a two three for three is just not that exciting. Like if you cast him on five and you just get one drain out of him, would you pay a card that was just like two three for five? Drain your opponent people don't play. Minutes, people so. don't play. People don't play highway robbers. Yeah, it's right? not close enough to being good. Yeah. Sorry, uh, essence depleter. You're going to be depleting essences. Not in standard. Yeah. Uh, Flaying tendrils. One BB. And we've talked about this card already. It's her sorcery. Devoid. Uh, all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. If a creature would die this turn, exile it instead. This uh, card seems like it is table. going to. Yeah. Sideboards. It table. is going. It's going to be in sideboards and. You know, in and out of standard on a week-to-week basis based on the metagame. It's, I think it's definitely going to be featured in at least one top eight deck at the Grand Prix or open level sometime in the next 12 months. Yeah, that seems perfectly reasonable. Uh, Havoc Seller, 3B for a 3-3, Devoid, 1 and a colorless Havoc Seller gets plus 2, plus 1 until end of turn. I played against this card last night in Friday Night Magic. It Where was... did you play? I went to Montesi. I got one draft in or so, pretty early. How dumb is this? I'm scoping out if I should play in a PPTQ. So I'm like, I kind of be like, oh, I'll play in a PPTQ, win it, and go to Sydney. Right? That's the thing I'm thinking right now. That one store that I've been to one or two times in Queens, Montesi and Uncommons are all having their PPTQ the same day on a <laughs> Sunday. How dumb is that? That doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's incredibly dumb. I mean, it is... Like, I would have hit all three of those stores if they had them on different days. Right. It is It is kind of interesting, though, because it does mean that the good players will get split up across those three stores. Yeah, like, the one that I won last year, I won at Montesi, but my win percentage at 
at Uncoms is so good, and plus Uncoms is so actually they're all close. Like it's because Uncoms is a little closer to my house. I mean, I don't, it seems ridiculous yeah. to me. Anyway, I don't think Havoc Seller is going to be a card you will have to face in a constructed PP. How about it, at a Friday Night Match? They beat you up with it. Uh, it was it was a difficult to deal with card. Like you know, my opponent had enough sources of colors. Uh, it was interesting. That was really interesting to watch how people evaluated that. Like the guy next to me passed me two late wastes, and then as soon as the draft was over, he's like, "That was just I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have given you those wastes. I needed them. You probably needed them. I could have taken them." Yeah, people are going to learn. Yeah, yeah. It was really it was really interesting to watch people even within one draft just realizing where they uh where they should have been prioritizing those. And we'll, we'll talk about drafting those lands a little bit when we get to the to the lands here. Yeah, here's the thing about drafting in general. Typically you either have too many playables, right? Or you have like some disaster that doesn't have enough playables. But that's not that not as common, I think. Yeah. Inverter of Truth 2BB for a 6-6. Mythic Devoid. When Inverter Truth enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your library face down. Then shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library. I think this card's good. This is like a creature-based Doomsday, right? Uh, I don't know what Doomsday is, but sure. <laughs> well, like, like it just what I'm saying is, you know, you've got operating mana, right? Because you cast this. You know, you've got you've got four or five mana when you when you cast this. If you just even if you just cast it on like. In some bizarre scenario where you cast it on turn five, right or turn four, so you've got you've got operating mana to do everything. Like assuming you've have have some way of uh, discarding or looting or doing something to get your cards into your yard, you also can sort of set up your deck, right? Well, you would set up your deck, right? First of all, it's not that hard to like just have a sweet graveyard. You just go like dress and. Bounce spell or removal spell or whatever. Just right. Get four cards in your graveyard. Yeah. Count, counter that. Right. Dress that. Counter that. Direct. You know. Thought sees that. And the thing is, like, if one of the cards that you get is a bounce spell, like you get um, a disperse, then you can like disperse their chase or whatever. Get this, and then when you play it, then among the cards that you're going to get back is a disperse, so that you're going to have a disperse in your hand sometime after drawing this. Like, and then you can always disperse the inverter of truth. Which puts a disperse in your graveyard, which allows you to play the inverter of truth, which means you will draw the disperse. So if you have a disperse and an inverter of truth, it's actually reasonably hard for you to get decked, which is one of like the obvious ways that you can get in trouble with inverter of truth. Right. Which is not to say you're going to win because your opponent, you know, is actually has escalating material, and you're actually going to have to worry about just general rules of magic. Yeah, because your, your card cards advantage. that are the cards that are exiled from your library face down are gone. <laughs> yeah, so you can't you can't have like a if like there you know maybe like if you had like four torrent elementals or something that might be intuitive that that would be good but apparently you can't do that right because they're face down yeah. so um but I think that if you get some number of disperses or other bounce spells that are relevant actually it's hard for you to get decked right you know, and it it doesn't like your opponent actually in a reasonable clip like one out of every two or one out of every three cards has to be able to deal with an inverter of truth right and right. If he can't, you actually kill him. It only takes about three hits to kill somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting card. I I like it. I don't know. uh, I I expect that I'll go like on the Magic League, you know, Magic Online Standard League, and someone's going to play this against me. Well, this card, this card might be a little too cutesy to win a uh, 
to 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 top eight an event? I don't know. Do you do you see this as being well, I think like this a looks very good? Yeah, you yeah, think it's so, that good? First of all, you don't have to be playing an inverter of tooth strategy necessarily, right? Okay, like what if you're playing Eldrazi? Like one of these Eldrazi decks can make black, and you just like cast like two ramp cards or something. And you're playing like a sideboarded mirror game, and we've been talking a lot about you know at what point you're gonna you're gonna make a play or you know turn seven you're gonna make you know whatever accelerated proxy for turn seven is gonna get your world breaker in your play because whoever has the first world breaker in the mirror match actually has some kind of gigantic advantage because you can keep the other guy off of his legendary Eldrazi. What if you're just like turn three inverter of truth? Right? Their their world breaker is like the only thing that can defend them against an inverter of truth because they just reach. They're right. dead by the time they have a they they have a world breaker in play. Or you like you wow. just... how many how many cards can you get into your graveyard by turn three? Like obviously no. you could just get a, Waste, you need a bunch fetch of fetch land, one accelerating card. I mean you could have three fetch lands, right? Like you yeah, could actually have three fetch lands, uh, a ramp spell, as long and, as and a cards, thought seize. Yeah, yeah, you could just kill them, right? Or like I don't know, a point removal spell. Something you could cast. I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think that, that that's a possible thing. Some, something that deals two damage to your opponent. <laughs> so there's that. But the other thing is, like, what if you played Inverter of Truth? Like, instead of thinking that it costs four, you said, like, like what if this card costs ten? But, right. like, untap six six lands when you cast it? Like, unless you're playing, like, a Black Blue Control deck, and you just cast an Inverter of Truth with, like, you know, six mana open. You have, like, right. a ton of sweet cards in your graveyard, I'm sure. And then you just like have a bunch of counter spells and removal open, and then you just kill them. It does not take very many hits, right? Like no, no, if no. Somebody no, uses good. like two fetch lands. It's a three hit clock, and right. it's an insanely efficient card from that purpose. It, it it is actually just a dragon you can play on turn three, yeah. and just it's kind of like it's 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 kind of it feels a little bit like a challenge, right? It's like okay, you have <laughs> you know you now have three turns to kill this, right? One of my cards one of my cards will deal two damage to you. And this will deal 18 damage to you. And, you know, can you kill it or stop it or block it before I run out of cards? And I think that, I think that it's not the kind of card that's always good in every deck, right? But, like, it's certainly the kind of card that you can pick your right spot and it's going to give you a disproportionate amount of likelihood of winning. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued now. But do you remember Jerry Thompson played this, like, uh, Abyssal Persecutor Black Blue deck with, like, Mimic Vat? Do you remember this deck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's fine. Like you just got to the position where you're probably going to win, and you killed your own or you bounced it with Jace. Right. It's like not a big deal. Like you just get your opponent to minus four, and then just like kill it, and they died. I got the, the card is like a six six for four flying. Can't be ultimate priced. Is a pretty cool starting point, and its drawback can be positioned as an advantage if properly set up. That's right. powerful, in my opinion. Yeah, I like it in black blue. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. All right, so Kozilek Shrieker is the next black card we're going to talk about. Two and a B for a three-two creature again, Devoid, and it has the ability Colorless. Kozilek Shrieker gets plus one plus zero oh, and gains Menace until end of turn. And this card seems like it would be hellacious to play against in limited. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to get Menace and. Be probably my guess is often a five or six, a five two, right? Like you're just going to give it menace multiple times. Um, but you know, you you, you generally, I, I generally saw people not being able to get more than the 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 at the top tables in the draft. People were able to get maybe three color sources into play. 
Well, this is what I think. I don't care how many so, times you're pumping it. I think the fact yeah. that it's so it's a, it comes out as a three. Yeah. Maybe you get a free hit in, you know, yeah. depending on what the opponent's setup is. But then, like, you just give it menace. You know, four power menace, even if they can get two blockers in front, you might just kill their guys. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It seems, it seems like a very serviceable limited card. But yeah, yeah. Not, it's, not I would, I would, I would pick this card fairly. Uh, I would, I would be, I would be happy with like third, fourth picking this in the in the right in that you know color, you know, some red black aggro, uh, devoid deck. So the next card up is Kozilek's Translator. It's another it's, common. It's four and a B for a three five. As you can see, it's Warlock, and then Doug Ramsey is behind it. Kind of like <laughs> the blonde Doug Ramsey behind Kozilek's Translator. They, 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 together they, they uh, form the new mutants. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's like Bob McCloud era new mutants. You understood what I was talking about. Right? I did. I did. It took me a second to process and unpack those 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 memories. But yeah, literally only Butch Mappa of all of our listeners understood. What I was <laughs> I was like, Doug Ramsey. What is that? So um, it looks like four four and a B for a three five devoid Eldrazi drone. And this just talks about how, to me, this card talks about how badly you want colorless mana in your limited matches. Because sometimes you will happily pay one life to add colorless mana to your mana pool with this. Seems awesome. It's not a tap ability, by the way. I mean, it's it's limited to once per turn, because otherwise yeah. it would be... Cha- like, if this, you imagine this card was not limited to once per turn, this would be like the best card in Constructs. Co- Kozilek's like, Channeler? Yeah, like how fast can you get Kozilek's Translator out so you can kill your opponent? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this card's, card's going to be sweet and limited, actually. It's, it's, it just jumps you to seven. Yeah. You just, like, cast Puzzlex Translator, hit your sixth land drop, and then just go, like, bloop, Worldbreaker, or whatever you got on seven. Yeah. Solid common. Uh, in- interesting card here, Oblivion Strike. Uh, this is a this is a limited card. 3B, Sorcery, Devoid, Exile Target Creature. So you could just kill anything with this thing. Well, so this creature. Well, and yes, as long, but I'm saying you could kill just about any creature. No protection, no colored protections is going to save it. No, you know, there's there's very few creatures other than hex proofs that you can't you can't kill with this thing. What's interesting to me is how spoiled, in some senses, we've become. Because, like personally, I'm just like, ah, eh, I'm far too superior of a person to play the card other end. I will not play other end. This card, like, makes Utter End look like swords to plowshares. <laughs> you know, like, it's infinity worse than Utter End. Like, Utter right. End is a, an instant. This is a sorcery. Right. Utter End exiles any damn thing. This exiles yep. only creatures. Um, so, I don't know. Obviously, like you said, it was a, it's only a limited card. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, this, this. I mean, I saw, again, one the, the I got there for the second draft yesterday. The guy in the finals of the first draft had, like, Three of these could have had a fourth, but he took the uh, card we're going to talk about a, a little later over at the card BB for to minus four, you know, to give minus four to a creature because he wanted an instant. Yeah. But like, but like this card, I mean, this card's awesome. Like exiling is also super important now in Oath of the Gatewatch because if you get any processors in Battle for Zendikar, it's really tough to get the ingestors too. You only have one pack of Oath. I mean, one pack of Battle for Zendikar. So, 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 like you need catalysts for your for your processing. Yeah, yeah, if you if you get anything that's that you're going to want to process, you know, this is it's pretty important to find those pieces in the first two packs, and especially when you just get the value of like, oh, this is great, I can just kill this thing my opponent tapped out five mana for. 
Kill it. I guess that must be liberating in some sense, right? Like, I remember when I was drafting Battle for Zendikar, just be fighting over over Catalyst cards or fighting over payoff cards. Like, if you just don't have a bunch of Exiles in the in the first pack, just, like, don't take any crosses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well... Merc Strider, <laughs> see you later! <laughs> I don't need you! Like, but versus, like, so often you just, like, be sitting there being like, oh my god, my kingdom for a Mist Intruder. And then you have, like, the best deck on Earth if you're, you know, if you have the Catalyst cards, but you just have all the payoffs. Yeah. You just but don't you, have the payoffs. Then, so. I, I think your comparison of Oblivion Strike to Utter End it makes pretty clear you're, you're, you don't think that this card has any room in Constructed. Oh, no, I don't think Utter End is really a Constructed card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good players play it, but they always play like one. You know? yeah, yeah. I think they're usually just like, well, I might need to destroy a Talker. You know, like whatever. They're just going to be like, well, what happens if my opponent casts even the spirit dragon. I'll need to have an answer to that. I mean, the reality is it's usually trading with a Mantis Rider or something. You're like, did I really spend four to kill a Mantis Rider? And then they just play another Mantis Rider because you're tapped out and you're like, yeah, it stinks. Yeah. So, so, so no on Oblivion Strike. But what, what do you think about Reaver Drone? I mean, this is obviously a card that has found its way into constructed decks going back 15 years, right? 2-1 for B, an Eldrazi drone, Devoid. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life unless you control another colorless creature. This reminds me of any number of kind of zombie creatures that we've seen in Magic over the years. I don't know if you know this, but one of my favorite mirror matches of all time to play was Hatred Mirror Match. I think in tournament play, I was lifetime undefeated in Hatred Mirror Matches. So basically, like there's the the zombie. I used to call the zombie algorithm, and so like I would just discuss the zombie algorithm with Dave Price a lot. And you know, Dave Price also was he made top eight of one Grand Prix, I think, with hatred. But I I specialized in playing hatred a bunch. I I got my ninth at nationals with it. I won a bunch of like regional slash PTQ type um, tournaments with Sarcomancies and Carnifages in my decks. And the way it worked was if both players have the card Sarco. Mancy and the card Carnifage. Carnifage has the, is a is a zombie, and it costs B for a two two zombie. If to you have to pay one life on your upkeep or tap Carnifage. Okay, that's that's uh what what it says. If you don't pay one life, it's tapped. Sarcomancy is an enchantment, and then this enchantment says when Sarcomancy comes into play, put a two two zombie token creature into play. On your upkeep, you pay one life if you have no zombies. So. Sarcomancy paid for itself unless you lost the token. But if you had a Carnifage in play and you lost your Sarcomancy token somehow, uh, the, the Carnifage could still pay for your, your Sarcomancy, right? So what, what you would do if you were really good at the Hadrian Mirror match was trade your Carnifages for their Sarcomancies. So, like, if you leave them their Carnifages, they need to pay, keep paying for the Carnifages to either leave their guys up to block or... They're not going to be able to block, or even if they're attacking you, they have to pay. So every time they pay one, that makes it one life less that they can beat you with hatred. And if you're keeping your sarcomancies and they're and they're keeping their carnophages, they're just in in bad shape because like you can hit them cleanly for two. If they're hitting you for two, they're paying one. Uh, and the problem with the hatred mirror match, of course, is sometimes you just kill them on the second turn, and it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but that never really happened because, like, yeah. there were a lot of guys. So, like, if you were smart, like you would block with whatever you had. You know, you had to block. 
it's interesting because like Sarcomancies were so good in the Hatred Mirror match and Carnivages were bad in the Hatred Mirror match but like against Sly you really wanted you really wanted Carnifages not Sarcomancies because if you had Carnifages they would either have to shock your Carnifage you know or you know your Carnifage blocks their Jackal Pup you take one for you might take one for leaving it up or it might be the first turn it's out and then they take two when their Jackal Pup gets hit or they have to shock it if they shock it then you're not paying for it long term but your Sarcomancies stink it's really easy for them to kill your your creatures, but not easy for either of you to destroy enchantments. So there's these enchantments sitting out there where you're taking one every turn. So it's, so valuing different kinds of cards like this and different kinds of beat down mirror or quasi pseudo mirror matches is very interesting, in my opinion. Well, well, it's kind of interesting, right? We talked about Barrier of Silence at the top of the podcast, yeah. right? A two one flyer for two, and it's like, well, when do you want to play that and just play it as a two one flyer? Well, it's like you might, you know, if you've let off with a Reaver drone, you know what I mean? Like you, you might, there might be like a very, aggra- I mean, maybe there's a swarm surge, like hatred-y, sw- you know, go wide version of the hatred deck in standard right now. You know, we're talking a lot about all these like kind of very expensive spells people are playing. You know, maybe there's this way to just sort of go wide with, you know, drones and so- and, and, and you know, Bearer of Silence and some of the other cards that are coming up that are pretty cheap. I've been thinking about this a lot because I kind of like that guy. What's he, black-red for a 3-2 and you can pay one to give the colorless creature haste? Yeah. What's that guy's name? Mutilator uh, of Faces or something? Yeah, Mutilator of Faces, that's it. Right, so, like, that guy's colorless. Like, there are a bunch of reasonably interesting black or red colorless or just purely colorless ag- aggressive creatures. I mean, like, not everybody's going to be Reality Smasher, right? But Reality Smasher just almost doesn't even go with this. It costs too much mana to, to, for you to really get discounted on the life at that point. Right. But the, the, just the, the problem I have is, like, all these guys have dropped. Like, they actually have some, some of them have cool upsides, right? But they all have, you know, something wrong with them. And if they're not all together working together, there's these something wrongs kind of snowball into being a bigger something wrong. And why am I doing this instead of just casting red cards? That's that's right. the thing. Like you could be casting landfall beaters, be casting red cards, and that's you, you so would you would you were talking you were talking about forerunner or slaughter, right? Before. Yeah, mutilator yeah. faces. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like it's just it's so much more work, but it doesn't seem like it has a lot more payoff. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, maybe there's enough colorless boosting stuff that. Makes what? What? I'm I'm just thinking about like. The idea of like swarm surge, like all your creatures get plus two, plus zero, and if they're colorless, oh, yeah, they get first card. strike. Like, like maybe there's there maybe there's just some way to go wide with all these guys, and on turn four, turn five, you know, or even on turn four, you know, just be like, okay, you're dead, you know, you're you you've tapped out to do something, and now I'm just gonna I'm gonna swarm surge you, and you you know you can't deal with these guys. You can't even put your you know creatures in front of my creatures without just losing them. I mean, it certainly, certainly seems like a, a card to keep keep an eye That's on. The thing is, Swarm Surge is one-time use. I guess it's cheap, though. Yeah. But because it's cheap, you don't even have that, that much material in play, necessarily. Right. I think it's tough to evaluate. Like, like Overrun was kind of fringe playable. Right. I mean, it was very good in a couple of instances, but the card had been in print for, like, seven years consecutive or something. <laughs> More than that. But, yeah. You know, like, ten years almost consecutive in standard in. It was good in like two decks, so and, you know that was such a much more powerful effect than than swarm surge. I'm just wondering if you're you're casting a card that's so cheap, 
I guess it makes your tokens really good. Yeah, yeah. If you, you, you definitely need a way to get uh, token creatures as well. Like, if you have, like, seven small guys in play, this one's just pretty close to lethal. Oh, it's, yeah, it's more, yeah, it's going to almost certainly be lethal. Maybe five or six. I guess that's not hard to do. But by turn three? Mm. I don't know. I think just Reaver Drone is an Something to think about. Reaver, Reaver Drone is a card that's going to find its way into into a, a standard deck at some point. You sure about that? I'm positive. You think there's just a critical mass of, like, the the, the, the warrior guys from Constant Tarkir? You know, they've got a lot of, like, white or black one casting cost warriors that are, like, two ones, and it's just another one. Just put them on the list. As long as people aren't playing Hordling Outburst, it's probably the best deck in the room. Or if not playing Hordling Outburst or Flaying Tendrils. <laughs> like, but, man, if they are playing Hordling Outburst, your deck stinks. <laughs> My god. Like, eh, yet another value two one for one. I right. eat one third of a hordling outburst. Right, but if they but if they're playing something slower, and then on turn four, your you know your play is Gideon. Is no your play <laughs> is bearer of silence. You know and you pay four and make them sacrifice a creature, and then attack with your other three creatures you played. What if your deck Even, was... what if they what if their first play is Gideon and they're like make a token and you're like okay, bearer of silence attack Gideon with this guy. Uh, you know, these two guys attack you. Like, I, I don't know. This doesn't seem... It seems like there's a deck there. I, yeah, I don't know if it's any good. There's a deck that's like 22 ones for one, Soren and Gideon. Interesting. Okay. Right? Like, maybe yeah. some removal. And then just like, your job is to just plus one or suicide your planeswalkers and just get in for <laughs> That's probably pretty good. I mean, seriously, like, like, first turn you play a two one. Second turn you play two two ones. You get in for two. Like, third turn you like, I don't know, they had one removal spell for their two drop. You can play Oath. You can play Oath of Gideon in this deck. Yeah, actually, Oath of Gideon's pretty good in this deck. You like swing for six, and then you just cast Gideon as heck for lethal or Soren. <laughs> like you use heck for like lethal, lethal. Yeah. Flank. Yeah. The thing. The thing. Right. You you sacrifice. You you're saying that like looking at the devoid theme is a red herring here or a colorless herring in this case. Yeah, I think it's just about being two ones more than it is about being. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly the attraction to me of the Reaver Drone is just that it's it's two one for B, right? But it's there's just so many, right? There's like there's you can already play like <laughs> twelve in standard. I don't even know right. their names. Like there's yeah. the one that like gains life from the graveyard. The one that like you Mardu Wo Re- Mardu Wo Reaper. One you can there's, buy back. Like, sure, that's um, Blood Soaked Champion. Blood Soaked Buyback Guy. You know whatever their names are. Yeah. Then you could probably get them back with a rally, like a rally for three mana total just gets back every card in your deck. <laughs> Yeah, like oh my cards are back. Um, um, so 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 yeah, I, I see, I I can see a situation with this card. I don't I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I like it. Sifter of Skulls, three and a B for a four three. Devoid rare Eldrazi. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, put a one one colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has sacrificed this creature. Add colorless to your mana pool. So this guy's a four three for four, and he's got like good payoff, right? He he does have a really. I mean, imagine you're you know you talk about those rally decks and you're going off and doing all that kind of stuff. Like suddenly you get a token for every creature you're sacrificing along the way. I mean, that's like it's this guy probably makes it really easy to win with rally, right? Like if you've got like a bunch of creatures in your graveyard, including a sifter of skulls. You cast Rally, get him back along with an Antuko Huskin, like any number of guys. Yeah. Like anything. You're just like, and then obviously you need to have like one of those 
chainsaw machine gun guys. Zulu Park Cutthroat. Yeah, and then you just like sacrifice a guy, ding you with my chainsaw machine gun guy. We can just call that guy Ash, right? All right, Ash nugs you, Ash nugs you, Ash nugs you. You just like sacrifice through the squad. Then you get all these Eldrazi scions, and Ash nugs you a bunch of times again. Um, and you have like either you have like a Gigundo Nantuko Husk, which is either which is fine, or you just like, get all this mana while Ash keeps nugging you, and then you probably cast another rally because you did a math mistake or something. <laughs> your rallies are so powerful, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I think so, this yeah, card, I, probably card, card is a very I, card is a very high payoff. I mean, it's, the problem is it's one of these cards that like it doesn't work with tokens. So if it worked with tokens, it would be insane. Well, yeah. I mean, that's there's a problem with working with tokens, right? Is it? I mean, like, I kind of I don't mind a world where a four three for four is really good. You know, where it just creates an infinite loop of tokens. Yeah, it's, the thing is, like, people. I think people personally they just worry too much about how bad something can be and worry less about how often that thing happens. I would not let it. I would not let a game go out the door that said that didn't say non-token in these like, kind of cases. You know, I'm really not one to... I mean, when was the last time I ever debated about policy of a decision? You know, somebody says... Sky this, Games. Somebody says, ban this card, I'm like, fine. You know, I'll play the game you want me to play. I love that. Right, right. The yeah. thing that I don't like is when you have when you have rulings like... Um, uh, what's, that, what's the name of that guy? That I, Eidolon of the Great Rebel. I think that's a bad policy, personally. Um, right. Because it doesn't rule towards the intent of the card. So, you know, it's just like, eh, it's weird. If it were a May or something, like, I would get it, but it just doesn't rule towards the intents of the card. Like, I think, like, banning Splinter Twin, I understand why they really did it. Like, you need to have some diversity in, in Pro Tour coverage, otherwise it's not interesting to watch, and how interesting the stuff is to watch is important. But, like, I mean, Splinter Twin wasn't so much more degenerate than the other degenerate decks in Modern. They're, like, all like that. Like, the, the it's a format where the threats are varied and good right like i think like is the fact that it's infinite damage on a short period of time is that more abusive than affinity that just does a lot of damage in a short period of time like the games aren't you don't win worse like it's not like it's not like this is win like you literally when they win you have to go home if they get you for a million damage and like um when affinity beats you you know you just put it right Right. it's like oh no i had to go home yes this damage this is match trample damage it continues into your next match yeah like it just continues for your entire life like it's not like that right (laughs) like the it's just in fact because it does zero damage isn't isn't less less powerful i think I, i i was honestly surprised that i was honestly surprised that in fact didn't take a hit somehow like I don't know what you do exactly, right? But like, it felt like there should have been. It felt like it feels like that that deck is like if you're gonna rotate the top of the, the format, I feel like then you move a couple decks out of the way. I mean, I think like rotating bands I like better than just like we just don't have Splinter Twin anymore. Like, right. Well, they have just, and they have rotated bands, right? Like they've yeah. let cards back in. I, yeah, I just, like, like the funny the funny thing is about Splinter Twin is I mean, and, and this is a digression, uh, obviously here that that I'm not sure how we got on, but like. The thing about Splinter Twin is we've seen Splinter Twin decks without Splinter Twin win, right? We've seen A, decks can just still win with a Kiki-Jiki combo. Or, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, any any number of, of oddball things. Tarn but they can, voice, also just, they can also just win as like a red... That was saying, they can also just win as a red-white-blue control deck that eventually finds a way to kill you. I mean, when I... When I... Let's be honest. 
put Splinter Twin on the map, like the deciding match, I just had a, a what's his name? That Sphinx? The six KS and cost Sphinx in play. I just drew a bunch of cards. And consecrated it's, Sphinx. Yeah, I just had consecrated Sphinx and like an into the into the royal and a counterspell in my hand. He conceded, right? Like it, you don't have. It doesn't have to be abusive. What I'm saying is like I think this card is more fun if it works well with Hangerback Walker. I think that's fun personally. Sifter of Skulls. Yeah, that does work with Hangerback Walker. You can you know if your Hangerback Walker dies, you get you also get a Scion in addition to your. Uh, you what, are, you already get to do fun stuff. That's what Hangerback Walker does, Brian. Yeah. It makes tokens. I know, you get an extra token now. <laughs> anyway, I think this token. card is probably pretty serviceable. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I was, I came into this segment, you know, media, like, like, oh, this is kind of an interesting card, but I, I actually think I, I could, I could see, I could see a world where Sam Black plays this card. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Black probably has his room wallpapered with copies of this card already. <laughs> so like, Ooh, it has the word sacrifice on it. Yeah. All right. So S- Sky Scourer, one uh, B for a one two Devoid Flying. Not super exciting, but whenever you cast a colorless spell, Sky Scourer gets plus one plus zero until end. So of this turn. is like the prowess version of a of a Eldrazi guy. Right. Sort of falls into maybe like the deck uh, when we were talking about the the Reaver Drone. You know, this this would be a card that would go in in that version of the, in the in the devoid version of the deck as opposed to the black white version. Yeah, I think like not super exciting though. The problem is mid game is just going to be hitting for one a lot. Yeah, I don't think this card is likely to be constructed playable. No, no. Uh, Slaughter drone. I mean, it's it's probably a two two flyer quite often in limited, right? Like you play this guy on turn two, and you probably attack for two for the next four turns. I think it depends on a lot of stuff, like how much removal your opponent has. Because like one of the reasons I think that this that, card... that is that is the limited version of dies to Doomblade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like in constructed, the reason that cards like this tend not to do that well is because the ceiling isn't particularly high, the floor isn't particularly high, and the answer cards are prevalent, right? But in limited, there's not that many answer cards, and a two-two flyer is actually pretty dominating in limited in a lot of yeah, games. Yeah, my opponent, my opponent wastes uh, an above the curve removal spell to kill my sky scour. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, you're probably especially if I, especially if I'm not investing anything to pump it. Like I'm just playing cards to the board to pump it. Yeah, like you're playing like I don't know, like a two-one guy that puts a token into play, or God forbid, you're playing a colorless buff spell, so he actually right. gets multiple buffs in one turn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Slaughter Drone. 1B, Eldrazi Drone. Again, another common. 2-2, Devoid. Colorless Slaughter Drone gains Death Touch until end of turn. Just like Curve Filler and Limited. Not playable and Constructed. I think it's okay. Or is he Heir to the Wilds? He's Heir pretty to Heir to the Wilds. Is, I mean, I don't think Heir to the Wilds is really good enough for Constructed, but like, this guy certainly has the ability to trade up. That's what I'd say about that. Right? Like, I think there's probably decks that are just like, well, a bear is okay, and then sometimes he's going to kill their siege rhino, and that's sweet. <laughs> like I, I mean, and and you're literally like, is that it? And they're like, that's it. It's I remember Toby Walker, and do you remember when you did um, Grand Prix Philadelphia? And at the time, it was like the biggest Grand Prix in the history of Magic. It was like 700 players. Yeah. Yes. It was. Do you remember that? Yes. We had yeah 700 people filled into a 500 person bag. So Toby Walker and Brian Schneider played this 
Survival of the Fittest deck. I don't remember, but it was like 255 cards or something. Do you remember this? No, not okay. really. Brian Schneider and Toby Walker played this deck. And it was like a survival deck, but it was so many cards. Like... I mean, I've been texting with Toby all day about the Yoenna Cespedes signing, so I can ask him. So, and then, like, I was playing Brian for fun, and he cast, like, a Silverglade Elemental. And Toby was there, I think. And it's like, what's that? He's like, it's a Silverglade Elemental. I'm like, I know what it does. I've played Limited. <laughs> and, like, they're just like, no, it's just a 4 4 for 5, and I get a Forest. Like, that's it. <laughs> and, like, you know. I don't remember if I won or lost or what. I probably won because their deck was like 255 cards with no bad all the wits yet. But, you know, sometimes you're just like, here's my slaughter drone. Like, what is it? It's a bear. But sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes it kills your siege rhino. And that, that's it. That's the whole story. Like, all of us have lost these cards and we're like, kind of taking a weird look at them. But, yeah. Shrug. I think sure, so- might be good enough. You, you think it might be good enough to get played in, into Constructed? I think I, it might be good enough to be played in Standard, yes. Wow, okay. That's weird, right? It is a little weird. But Probably I, I can, not. I can, under, I can understand it, but it, it seems a little weird. Probably uh, How about Unnatural Endurance? This is a card you seem to like when we talked about it last time. B, Instant, Devoid, target creature gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn, regenerate it. Talking about trading up. I think this card is... This, okay. is, like a, this is like a classic limited trick right like this is it's a common it's obviously there for limited it's It's obviously there is like you know this is going to have some job to do killing something bigger or saving your guy or doing whatever like a very flexible card for limited so talk about constructed basically i think this like if there's a beatdown deck that has any component of black in it whether it's like a mono black or mono black devoid deck like you've been intimating warriors is a big deck maybe even abzan aggro maybe even mardu aggro Anything like that that actually cares about creature damage and creature combat in a fundamental way, I think this card is very likely to be a four of staple, or you know some some version of like if there's a, I'm going to use the word like white blue heroic and hope you understand what I mean. Yeah, of course. Like where it's just here's some guys they have some particular functions we put them together and they have mass greater than the apparent mass of their cards plus we're buffing them with stuff. Right? If there's a deck like that, I think this card is going to be four of staple. First of all. You can if this card exists, you can like never block, right? Your siege rhino <laughs> always dies. Their guy always lives. Anything that's a two x or better kills a siege rhino. If this card is in the format, and it always lives. And well, doesn't doesn't it have to be? It has to be three x, right? I'm sorry, three x. Yes, whatever. You know what I meant. Yeah. yeah. So with your good thing, your Anafenza, your Butcher the Horde, whatever, always dies. Their crappy thing always lives. I apologize for claiming that a slaughter drone without the addition of a colorless mana would kill a siege rhino, but that would have happened anyway. Um, if you are using like removal on their, like you know, sometimes you just like go to use removal on their combats. So yeah, yeah. Set up a block. Well, your removal spell is going to be spent. This is basically a negate that does an additional two points of damage. It's just, it's just great. And there's no drawback with Boon of Erebos. You at least had to take damage. So, so I uh, I texted Toby by the way. Yeah. He said, I'm only 50% on this text being to the wrong person, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said, I think that it was extended and everyone played tricks, and it was some awful mono green thing designed to beat tricks with main deck Emerald Charm. Okay, it was like, that's fine. But he's not <laughs> he's not denying that he played like a 200-card deck with Silverglade Elemental. I, I don't know. I, he didn't mention how big the deck was. It was not 60 cards. 
How could it possibly have been 60 cards if they found room for Silver Glade Elemental and Emerald Charm? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't I know. Just, like, he just I named don't a know. different card no one else would play. <laughs> All right, Visions of Brutality. No, no. <laughs> I'm waiting. I, I, I texted him. I asked him. I would ask Brian Schneider, but he has a newborn baby. He probably hasn't slept in weeks. Uh, Visions of Brutality. 1B, uh, Enchantment Aura, Devoid, Enchanted Creature, Enchanted Creature Can't Block. Whenever Enchanted Creature deals damage, its controller loses that much life. I would, I'm too confused to think about playing this card in Constructed. It's kind of an interesting card, but I guess if your opponent attacks, it's like, so it's a pacifism that lets your opponent still attack, so if they're ahead, they can just keep attacking you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not really, I guess it's, was it Greg Hatch who played this card? It's just like B1 target creature can't block and then it like deals it's one damage to them or something. What I, card is that? I don't I don't remember. Uh Pillory of the Sleepless? No, target creature gets minus one, minus one, it can't block. Is that the name? Oh yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know. This card seems confusing to me. I'm sure it's just like the best card, and I just don't understand how to evaluate it. That's my assumption. Okay, just like, the best. Just, quote, we'll put that in the show notes. Visions of Brutality, just the best card. Michael J. Flores. Um, maybe you put it on that guy that we said we liked at the beginning. What's his name? Uh, Essence. Uh, no, wait, which one can't block? But Bearer of Silence, because that guy can't block. So if you put it on that guy, he really can't block. <laughs> no what chance. If you, what if you put it on a? What if you put it on a, a wall? Like a wall can't attack. So. <laughs> Well, that's, prob- that's probably the best place for it. Can you imagine a wall having visions? Like, how trippy is that? You're like, the wall of soda is like, oh, I can't think of anything but brutality. All right, witness the end. 3B, sorcery, devoid. Target opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand and loses two life. Wow, this card is close to being good. <laughs> it's so close to being good. And yet it is just wildly unplayable. Is it's wildly unplayable? Costs four. I mean, two cards. I guess if you just draw it past turn four, it's just miserable. I mean, for one more mana, you get resources punishment. Right, that's one fair. more mana card. We will be talking about shortly. For one less mana, there's a whole bunch of different stupors that nobody ever plays. That's true. <laughs> that is Let's true. Do it like that. All right, corpse churn, instant one B. Put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That creature does not need to be one of those three creatures. No, one of those not. three cards. I this card's like interesting. This card. I kind of like this card. Yeah. I'm going to play this card in my Sidisi Commander deck for sure. Seems good. I think like just any cards that are getting cards in the graveyard can help you with stuff like Spell Mastery, help you with stuff like Starfield of Nyx, help you with stuff like... Um, uh, like What's the name of that guy we were talking about before? Uh, uh, Inverter of Truth. Right, just right. getting some material in your graveyard. I think this card could be good. It's not that powerful. Top, but if this card said put the top ten cards of your library in your graveyard, then return a creature card to your hand. Card would be abusively powerful, right? It'd be way too good if it was top ten cards. Sure, so, but like think think about it in the context of like a deck like Spider Spawning. Like that was a deck I actually play, I actually played with that card in Standard. Spider Spawning. Spider Spawning. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That that's you know, like, I played this a is, primeval titan deck with it, right? Because you told me to. I thought it was pretty yeah. Cool. It's like oh yeah, that was the deck. That was the deck I was playing. Like this, you know, that, that deck had black mana. I would have played. I would have considered this card in there with the mulches <clears> and 
all the other things that you're doing. Oh, but if you have mulches already, I think you're you're at a critical mass. Mulches are just guaranteed. Actually, this guy's likely to replace himself if, if you put him in the correct deck. Yeah. Right? Even if even if you don't have a creature in the top three, like you just wait until a creature dies in combat, you just cast it. It's basically a raise dead. Yeah. Right. Which is which is not a ringing endorsement, but no, all right. Mostly, I mostly like putting three cards into my from my library into my graveyard. I mostly for... talked myself out of it. Yeah, <laughs> Dronus Chosen three B for a two two cohort. The rare vampire shaman ally. It has cohort, which is tap tap an untapped ally you control. Put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield tapped. Well, this card just seems pretty unbeatable and limited. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good. So I was I was a little surprised. I played. So I, t- I told you I played with the set last night. It was my first my first opportunity to play with the set, and cohort was better than I expected it to be. I was pretty down on cohort. If you you know even in our earlier podcasts from a limited perspective, I didn't I didn't love it. I felt like you know that idea of uh, sitting sitting on two creatures. The second creature it didn't really fully occur to me. The second creature doesn't need to be non summoning sick. Because you're tapping it to the ability of the of the ally. So like I had a Coom Flame Seeker in my deck last night, which is cohort tap, tap an untapped ally you control to discard a card if you do draw a card. And like there are a couple games where I was just in these like kind of lockdown boards and I was able to just sit back on that and like just filter through all my extra lands on that and another ally and then find my find my game breaking cards. But this card is just unbeatable and limited, right? Is that the... I mean, yeah, you know, it's four mana for a 2-2 creature. So, like, if you're getting, if you're getting run over, it's not, it's not going to be amazing. It needs to be cast. You need to untap, pass the turn with it, and then you get to make, you know, it starts spinning out a 2-2 every turn. It's not unbeatable, but it's, it's going to be very good. But it makes tapped guys, right? Yeah, the guys are tapped, so and they're not allies. And they're not allies, oh, so they not don't contribute. They're yeah. not allies, so they don't contribute to your cohort. Nothing is stopping me from taking this guy first pick when I open him, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, black allies is obviously a very powerful. Uh, you know, still remains a very powerful synergy in in this new draft format. But, but yeah, but how about constructed, Mike? No, thank you. <laughs> it's way too slow. Uh, how do you feel about grasp of darkness for constructed? Outstanding. This is yeah. an outstanding Magic the Gathering card. If you can cast it, you should. Right. And so that was that was the you know, when I was talking about my uh the, the guy who was in my draft or actually in the other draft last night who was in the process of winning the first draft at Montesi. He had like three oblivion strikes and passed up the fourth oblivion strike to take Grasp of Darkness. Well which makes sense. This card seems outstanding, so yeah. it makes sense to me. Just nothing to say about it. It's just good. I mean, it's just like this card just speaks for itself, right? It's yeah, two yeah, mana, yeah. kills lots of stuff. Somewhat hard to cast because it's BB instead of B1. Probably right. easier to cast for a lot of decks than a card that's like colorless in one. Right. And it just kills a lot of stuff. And like it just kills their Anafenza, which Ultimate Price won't do, which Fiery Impulse won't do. Uh, you know, Oath of Jonder won't do. For two mana, Zinger, done. Um, it teams up well with other cards. Like, you could team this up with a, something that, like, nugs for one or take out, like, very big creatures. Uh, it's obviously... It's obviously, like, not a catch-all. 
right? It right. doesn't do everything. Like, if your opponents are playing 6-6s six and 7-7s, seven you're going to have to diversify your removal mix. But that doesn't mean that this card will... Like, there's probably going to be an average of... I don't know. More than 10 copies of this card in a large number of top 8s, right? I would just easily imagine, like... You, you look at a cross-section of, you know, three or four consecutive top eights, there's like 10, 12, eight copies of Grasp of Darkness in the top eight. It's super possible. How do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... Yeah, I, I was I was happy with Speaks for Itself. Okay, Speaks for Itself it is. <laughs> Kalidus Trader of Get, 2BB for a 3-4 creature. It's a vampire warrior. Legendary. Has lifelink. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that card and put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. But wait, there's more. 2B, sacrifice another vampire or zombie. Put two plus one plus one counters on Kalidus Trader of Get. I mean, to me, the really exciting part here is that second line of text after lifelink, right? It's this card is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this card. I mean, this card doesn't speak for itself. It's actually pretty complicated to assess. But imagine you're playing with like, oh, I don't know, Deathmist Drafter, right? And I'm playing with Kalidus Trader of Get. <laughs> and you're like, ha ha, I have Deathmist Drafter. And then right. you cast like Grasp of Darkness on my Deathmist Drafter. Then I'm like, it's wait a second. And then my my guy's dead. And then you get a guy instead of my guy ever coming back. You know, that's right. awesome. Like it just poses some of these decks that are based on these kinds of recursions. Or and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, if like I have this guy out and you have four non-token creatures out and I wrath, I end up with four two-two zombie tokens. Right? I think that's true. I believe that's how it works. That's certainly how like uh, other other cards that that have similar abilities would work. So like you're like okay, I will wrath. Your four creatures are exiled. I get four. I I now have four two two zombies, and by the way, this is a three four life linker that is going to let me. You know, maybe I trade with something, or maybe I hang around in the game and you know get back into it a little bit with life link. So I, I think this card's exciting. Um, think... But this card, by the way, this card is a nightmare in Commander. Just where 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 because it's non token creature and opponent controls, and if you're playing with three or four players, and somebody you know somebody casts. A board sweeper with this guy out, it's going to be disgusting. So, furthermore, this card like fills a lot of the same role that Anaphensa fills, right? Yeah. Just in terms of like messing up graveyard interactions. You know, there there are a lot of cards that trigger when they go to the graveyard, and Kalidus really can uh, can put can put a hurt on on the, if not value, the extra value that those cards are bringing. Yeah. You know, Deathmiss Raptor is a really obvious example, but you know, we could probably sit here for half an hour brainstorming different examples. I think we'll just both agree this card's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, Malakir Soothsayer, 4B for a 4-4. Uncommon Vampire Shaman Ally with Cohort. Tap an untapped ally you control, you draw a card, and you lose one life. Well, that seems like a really powerful ability. It does, it does. For 5 mana on a 4-4 where you have to have another ally, probably safe to say it will never see constructed play. Yeah, but people can't really attack into your Malakir Soothsayer easily. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a reasonable pick and limited. Yes, I agree. I agree. I would. I would as well. Especially, especially in a deck that has all the you know the synergies that being. What happened? Uh, I just got an emergency alert on my phone. There's a blizzard uh, going on. 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I know, I'm sitting right in the middle of it. I understood this. I tried to turn off my heater so that I could talk to you, so the room that I'm in is cold. Oh, interesting. But I did that for you. Thank you. The listener or for me? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> All of it. The above. Um, but yeah, if you're black, if you're, if you're in a, um, a black ally deck in, in Oath of the Gatewatch draft, you know, you're probably getting paid off in a lot of different ways. Anyway, and you have, generally will have life to spare to, to draw those cards with, too. Um, how about Null Caller? He's not calling anybody. He's not. No. His, 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 uh, his contacts <laughs> on his iPhone are blank. Yeah. It's a Null Caller. So four mana for a 2-4, uh, so three and a B. And then for his casting cost, three and a B, you can exile a creature card from your graveyard and put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield tapped. Solid limited card. So what's up with all these tapped? What is this Sky Games 2.0? Yeah, they just don't want those zombies. Always zombie tokens almost always come into play tapped, don't they? It sounds like Sky Games. 2.0. There's like too many things that you can do with untapped zombies. Well, obviously the untapped zombie potential is they're slow zombies. Zombies are slow. These aren't Zack Snyder fast zombies. These are George Romero slow zombies. Okay. Why do you call them Zack Snyder fast zombies? Because when he did the Dawn of the Dead remake. He made Fast Zombies. Oh, I didn't know he did that. It's actually his best movie. He did 300. I, I can't watch 300. It's awesome. I, it, has, it, it looks just ridiculous to me. It's so good. I, it, 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 it just looks like... His other movies stink. I'll give you that. I have no interest in seeing the 300. I've like, never wanted to watch movie. it. It's, it's like good. It's like from the window of where Frank Miller started to go insane. Yeah. Like I have no interest in like Frank Miller projects from that sort of vintage forward. I don't know. It's just like in my blind spot. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it eventually, I guess, because you you like it enough. It's really but like, good. But I I just have no interest in it. It has that guy from The Affair. What's his name? Who always plays Americans, even though he's Irish. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Uh, Dominic Wheat West. Dominic Weist? West. Yeah. Not Diane Weist. No, Dominic West. From and you, you from the affair, really? Is that where you you give him? You don't you don't say from the from, wire. From the wire. You fine. don't say McNulty. Like Sorry, if you say McNulty. McNulty, if you just say McNulty, every single person listening knows what you're talking. about. But if about. I say Duck Lips, you know that I mean the chick from Luther. It's true. I do. <laughs> duck Lips. Yeah. Done. I like her. <laughs> Listen to that. So this morning, we're playing Uno, but it's Avengers Uno. Yeah, and so it has like a picture of like, like an Avenger on each of the cards, and so um, we were making Catherine try to name the character (laughs) (laughs) when she she, uh, she plays him, and so she played one. It was like, so uh, you know, just goes. She knows some of the characters. She knows like Iron Man or whatever. So um, somebody played a wild card, and the wild card has Loki on it, and we're like, Catherine, who's that? She goes. Thor, and she puts on her own card and it has Thor on it, and we're like, uh, Thor's pretty good. She's like, I meant the other guy, but it was Loki. So then she plays one that has Nick Fury, and she's like, Action Jackson. <laughs> Action Jackson. I'm like, well, yeah, Action Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, I can, I can get that. I can get that. And then, later she played one with, with the Falcon, and she just goes, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> so they're illustrations. They're not like the picture of the actor or whatever. It was just like, yeah, but it's hilarious she's like luther <laughs> anyway uh no college probably not going to be in, in constructed anytime soon no how about remorseless punishment mike i like it a lot it's funny and kind 
talk talk about this. I know this is a card you 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 you've been you and basically everyone else who plays Magic is very excited. I'm about. excited about it. I, I, I'm not sure that'll be good, but it seems spectacularly awesome. So it's three BB for a sorcery. Target opponent loses five life unless that player discards two cards or sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Repeat this process once. So it either can make them take ten. It can make them discard four cards. It can make them lose two creatures or some combination of, uh, of those different effects. Problem is you can't pick. If you can get somebody to no creatures and no cards in hand, it's consistently going to do 10, right? Right. Um, the, the big problem with this is like if they have a, like if they just have a Sorin, for example, they could probably just sacrifice the Sorin and the, and the vampire and then they've got you on mana. Like if they've got like some crappy cards, like this card is horrible against um dragon fodder and hordling outbursts like it's, yes. it's horrid at against hordling outbursts if you wanted to make the worst deck in the world against hordling outbursts you would just play all the two ones for one <laughs> and remorseless punishments and you would never beat paulo beats Rodama de rosa he would draw like two cards in his entire deck he would have you covered the, the reef the reaver of souls remorseless punishment yeah, deck. Just, you'd have no choice you just you could never win okay but but if you could get people into certain situations like not having like some terror bad creatures to, to sacrifice or not having some cards in hand. So like maybe you've combined it with some hand destruction, et cetera, et cetera. It's just it's its ceiling is very high. That's the that's the thing. It's right. just not consistent. If you can set somebody up, it's great. I also think if you could float this thing on a Narset, bang bang. Yeah, I mean this card obviously feels very similar to uh Cruel Ultimatum, right? Like that's Yeah, it's 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 real cruel ultimatum esque. Like if yeah. you played this in the same deck as like um, demonic pacts, you would have like a lot of effects. They wouldn't all be good, <laughs> but you would have a lot of them. So you 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 expect you know maybe even this weekend someone's playing this card. I'm sure someone's playing this card somewhere. I have no idea if it's any good. I mean, I didn't realize the cards were legal already. I would have started practicing maybe. Um, it's <laughs> it seems it's although there's like no opens or no tournaments near here. There's an open today. Not where I live. Oh, yeah, no, not here. Not here. Um, Tar Snare. 2B for an instant. Target creature gets minus 3, minus 2 until end of turn. So it's two colorless uh, where, you know, where uh, Grasp of Darkness costs BB. This is a much worse card. It's a much worse card, yeah. It's a much worse cost on effect. Next. (laughs) Yeah, fine fine limited card, obviously. Yeah, sure. Uh, Untamed Hunger. 2B, Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus 2, plus 1, and Menace. Too expensive for Constructed Iron. Yeah, next. Vampire Envoy. 2B for a 1-4 Flying Vampire. Whenever it becomes tapped, you gain 1 life. Is this card deceptively good and limited? I mean, it seems okay. I don't I don't think it's deceptively... I mean, it's probably fine. <laughs> like, I'm not super excited about it. I'd play this card. It seems good. Yeah. Uh, and then Zulaport Chain Mage. What is a Chain Mage? I mean, like, aesthetically, it just seems like someone with a bunch of chains hanging off of them. I, maybe the chains ground them to some sort of magic. Like, having the chains reach down into the ground. Maybe they conduct so, so mean, some like, sort of magical... when they're getting attacked? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm it's certainly, certainly easy to grab, you know, to grab a chain and yank them backwards, but... I mean, like, is this person actually chained to the rocks that he's he's by what's the oh no the chain so the chains actually are like medusa like if you read the flavor text the chains obey her 
everything else would do best to get out of her way. So oh. she's like, she's got the ability to manipulate the chains to act as like her tendrils. I got it. So they're like Queen Medusa of the Inhumans. That's what I said. I said Medusa. Yeah, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so... Meanwhile, 3B for a 4-2, human shaman ally common with cohort, tap an untapped ally you control, uh, target opponent loses two life. I mean, you can't even get out of the way. Like, it says that everyone else should get out of the way, but you can't. It just does, it just drains you out of, <laughs> out of outside of combat. This card seems okay. For? Limited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even outstanding. <laughs> it seems okay. And obviously well out of the range of Constructor's playability. It's just slow, effect stinks. If it's just like each target opponent loses four life, I still don't think it'd be good enough for Constructed. Like, there's too much that can go wrong. Also, its body stinks for... Yeah. Um, so do you want to just do a quick recap on what we liked and didn't like from Black? Let's see. In Black, we liked Remorseless Punishment. We liked... Bearer Khali- of Silence. Well, I'm going backwards. backwards Kalidus, okay. Yeah, Kalidus Traitor of Get, Grasp of Darkness. Uh, Corpse Churn we kind of liked, but not really. Nah, Just not kind of really. kind of like it see some situation where you play Just it. Pass. Uh, you like Slaughter Drone and Unnatural Endurance, which kind of surprised me. Under- Unnatural Endurance is sweet. I think it might be the best black card for Constructed. Wow. It's That's really crazy. Good. I mean, I just don't see how that... Well, I, I guess... It's, it's actually a drawback. It's, like, in the gate. Right. Right? Like, uh, what if you just, like, somebody just, just, like, bolt your guy in combat? You're like, no, negate, take two. Yeah. That's good. Sifter, Sifter of Skulls? Maybe. I think that... I mean, it's, it's no unnatural endurance. Yeah. Re- Reaver Drone, card I liked. And I wonder if there's not some sort of, like, interesting colorless swarm deck that you could play in, in Standard. Uh... Inverter of Truth was a card we were both kind of intrigued by. You you, you probably turned me from like, oh, this is an interesting project to build to something where this could actually maybe be good in the right situation. It seems like a powerful card to me. Yeah. Let's see. Flaying Tendrils, I think probably going to be a card that's going to be in sideboards for as long as it's in standard. And uh, both, both Bearer Silence and Dread Defiler... Uh, we could see homes for. So that's a lot of black cards. Yeah, and most of the ones that seem good are like the colorless ones. Though. Yeah, I agree. Not that that matters, matters. Yeah, Gra- Grasp of Darkness be- and uh, Remorseless Punishment being the two notables in the colored black cards. Um, Let's see here. What do we got? Lands and artifacts left? Yeah, let's do artifacts. All right. So Bonesaw is the first one. It's zero cast and cost equipment, which is always interesting. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero, and equip one. So, you know, if we were going to play, you know, something where we're doing something with, uh, you know, Scion tokens and um, the whatchacallit, the Stoneforge, uh, the Stonehaven Outfitter, you know, this is, you know, possibly the, the card you want there, right? I mean, this card is so close to being good. If it costs one and it had equip zero, it'd be really good. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but... equipping, equipping zero is really interesting. But, like, you know, anytime you have a zero cast and cost artifact, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't see it. I think, I think it's possible this card is playable. 
But yeah. I think it's not very likely this guy's yeah. good. All right, Captain's Claws. Two mana. How does Captain need claws? Like, how about, like... He's probably some sort of, like, core. Like, the core, they they do a lot of rock climbing. The Captain's Log. Captain, you know, like, they, like, they hang out in Williamsburg Captain's, at, like, some rock climbing bar. Captain's Courageous. They show off their tattoos to each other. And they're like, oh, cool claws, where'd you get those? And it's like, Zendikar. oh, I got them in... Yeah. <laughs> uh, equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero. When equipped creature attacks... Put a one-one white core ally creature token onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. It's kind of a cool card. It seems like but... it makes anybody into Brimaz. That's yeah, exactly. Except for giving it vigilance and three-four stats, and, and like when they're blocking, also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an interesting card, though. I, I, you know, I could see applications for this in some like uh, white. Um, commander decks that have like equipment sub themes and do stuff, but not not super uh, not super excited not about super it. Excited. For this card is also like really close to being good. Like if it costs one and had to equip one, I'd be like, oh, this card might be good. But two right. and equip one, I don't think so. Uh, is it is it chitness or kitness? Kiteness. Kiteness. Kiteness cloak. Three equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has menace. Three equip three, never gonna, never you know, gonna, never I mean, gonna people, crack a sixty people, card deck. People aren't playing Loxed and Warhammer when they have the opportunity to play it, right? Like, no. uh, Hedron Crawler, two mana for a zero one construct that has tap add colorless to your mana pool. God, why is it just an artifact? Like, <laughs> this were just an artifact, I'd be like, oh sweet, I'm definitely playing this. <laughs> <laughs> They make it an O one creature. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not playing this. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to play this in limited quite often. How would much better would this card be if it were just an artifact instead of an artifact creature? Well, for example, you look at the next card, Seer's Lantern, and that's going to be a card that's going to get played pretty regularly in limited at three mana. So at two mana, you know, uh, people, I'm sure people would jump all over that. Seer's Lantern is three to add. Tap and colorless to your mana pool, and it also has two tap and scry one. Yeah, it seems a little too expensive for constructed. Yeah, it's pretty sweet and limited, though. At two, it would be too good, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stoneforge Masterwork. This card should this, this, this card good. should be awesome, but it's only okay. Yeah, no, thank you. And then finally, Strider Harness, three mana for that. That is not a creature. That's pictured on there. That is not a creature I expect to have haste. No. It looks like a Tauntaun or something. Yeah, yeah, it does. Crip creature gets plus one, plus one. So the artifact's not super exciting here, actually. Um, no, I don't think there's a single clear playable in the list. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I mean, I guess there's some... No, even even Stoneforge Masterwork, if, like, if each creature that shared a type got plus one, plus one, or... But, yeah, no. All right, let's 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 talk about lands. All right, let's start with Cinder Barons. This card is just a regular land. Enters the battlefield tapped, add black or red to your mana pool. So this is basically the same card as other cards that are in the format, but don't give you a life. Don't become a creature. Don't... <laughs> nothing like that. Right. And there's, and there's, and there's, uh, there's a whole suite of them in here. Yeah, right? just, there's me, Meandering River, Needle Spires. Completely unplayable for Constructed. There's no Sub- opportunity Submerged Boneyard, Timber Gorge. I'm just going to r- run through them. Tranquil Expanse. Yeah, like there's just nothing you can do with fetch lands because they're not. It's not a mountain swamp. 
there's nothing you can do with gaining life. There's nothing you can do with, you know, there's no creature option on any of these things. Right. It's just not good enough for constructed in all likelihood. This card used to be known as Urborg Volcano, and it was actually playable back in the day. But the, <laughs> the options are just better now. Yeah, and these these are all allied colored, right? Yeah, there's just no Scry One. <laughs> and if this card had Scry One, I mean the, these these cards these cards are, are clearly there for limited play, right? Or for, they, they, I think when when something rotates, maybe the world will change really substantially, but not yet. Right. Corrupted Crossroads. Here's an interesting card. It's a land. It has the ability to just tap, add colorless to your mana pool, or pay one life, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast a spell with Devoid. <laughs> this is such a weird card. If this card uh, didn't have the spend this mana only to cast a spell with Devoid, this would be like the best card ever. Yes. It's yeah, just like yes, it would. City of Brass sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, in the in the right deck, this card's going to be this card's going to be tremendous. But you can't even activate the ability of a spell with Devoid. Like if there's like a, a colorless card or a black. Yeah, card. but if you're activating the ability, a lot of the cards that have an ability, a lot of Devoid cards have an ability. You're, you are going to be able to activate it because it's a colorless it's a colorless activation. Certainly, all the new cards. So, so I think this know, card you, is very likely to be playable in decks that care about Devoid spells. Yeah, I, I could I could easily see. I, I think that this card is. This is a card that I probably want to have, you know, four of in my binder I just want to and, for for the right deck. Yeah, but it's not super clear. To me. It's clearly like super exciting, right? Uh, yeah. This this card, by the way, just draft this card ahead of wastes when you're drafting. Well, it's just, it's not strictly better than wastes because of evolving wilds, but it's pretty close. Yeah, this card this card is great in limited. Like you get to play it on curve. Have have colored whatever color mana you need. The turn it enters the battlefield tapped because you get to Lotus Cobra a mana when it when it comes into play, and then for the rest of the game it's going to give you colorless mana. It, this card's terrific. I I was I clearly was like off a notch on where to pick this card in limited, and would have I had three wastes in my deck, but I would have rather had like two crumbling vestiges and one wastes, and I just I just kind of you know didn't like. I didn't pull the trigger quickly enough on these. This card's terrific and limited. Just unbelievable. Um, the card is... It's really interestingly aesthetically, I think. Interestingly, yeah. Interesting aesthetically. It, it's actually one of my favorite designs in the whole set. Like, from, from, a, from a game design perspective, I love this card. Like, I'm not a game designer, but, like, I'm an admirer of things that are beautiful. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's like it's the kind of thing you're just like, man. I wish I had thought of that. It just, yeah, it's just cool yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so hissing quagmire. There's a there's a handful of creature lands in this set. Uh, this is green black, and it has one green black hissing quagmire becomes a two two black and green elemental creature with death touch all down to turn. It's still a land. Obviously, it enters the battlefield tap like all of these lands. Where, where where are you on hissing quagmire? It's fifth of five, for okay. sure. But okay. it's still on the playable list. It's still sure. fine. They're all they're all playable. Yeah, right? like it's fine. Uh, I mean, it's certainly better than an option that gains one life or an option that has no additional text, which in some formats would have been playable. Yeah. Um. It's it's fine. It's it's. I think it's unlikely to be staple right now because. An Abzan deck would probably rather have the white black one, right? Because right, like Lifelink is so much better than two two Death Touch. Uh, so 
I think there's that. Um, I don't know. Is there a Soul Tide deck that might want this? I'm not sure. I mean, Death Touch is actually pretty powerful in a low creature Soul Tide deck, but I'm not even sure that they would rather have this in the 3 3 Hexproof one. Yeah. So it's fifth of five. Still playing. Okay. Uh, Holdout Settlement. This is another common land that gives you colorless mana. It's cool. It looks uh, like it's from Star Wars. To me. It does. I was thinking like there's some ally ray hanging out yeah. there. Uh, and it has tap, tap an untapped creature you control to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, you know, you were talking before about Corrupted Crossroads being sometimes the City of Brass. This is sometimes a, you know, I don't even know what the comparison would be. You know, a spring leaf of brass. Yeah, sp- spring leaf of Tatooine or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this card's interesting. I mean, obviously, again, uh, a fantastic card for limited. It's not going to be a big, well, well-played card in Constructed, I don't imagine. But... Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess, you know, I maybe can't imagine. Maybe you've got, like, a lot of tokens, and you have, like, a lot of excess tokens, maybe a free way to get mana. But the problem is, as long as there's both Battlelands and Fetchlands and Standard at the same time... Your mana's so good. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, you got guys like Ben Rubin playing 29 freaking lands in their 64-card mana base, and it's perfect. Like just, okay. There's just no errors in it. Like, like some of these other cards being included at all are weird. Yeah. So, so Meandering River, we already talked about those that that whole cycle. Let's talk about Mirror Pool. Mirror Pool enters the battlefield tap. It's a mythic rare. This is a mythic, yeah. Tap to add colorless to your mana pool. Two and a colorless. Tap, sacrifice Mirror Pool, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You, control. you may choose new target to that copy. So it's a, so it's a four mana fork but it's on a land uh and then it also has four colorless tap sacrifice mirror pool mirror pool put a token onto the battlefield that's co- a copy of target creature you control um, go i think this card's great it's just great you where know? where where am i going to play this card what am i going to do like, with it? Uh... From my perspective, there's two obvious places to play it. One of them, I think, is going to be more successful than the other, but there are two obvious places. One to be at the high end of a green deck, maybe a deck that's like an Eldrazi-type deck already is going to appreciate having the ability to tap for colorless. It's going to have a lot of excess lands so that, you know, because of cards like Explosive Vegetation, yada, 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 it's going to have lands in play because it, it probably traded spell slots for lands early. This gives it an opportunity to trade excess lands that are already in play for spell or spell-like abilities. Yeah. So that's one place, right? So, you know, you just get another gigantic Eldrazi or something like that that's pretty cool. If somebody's going to kill your guy, you copy it, then, you know, it costs you a land and five mana. And you, If you get a guy that costs seven or a guy that costs ten or something back for it, you're kind of ahead. Those are those are some potential advantages from Mirror Pool. Um, but, or, you know... What if you're copying part the water veil with this? Right. <laughs> Good luck losing. Or, or, or the, the, the obvious, like the dream is to uh, copy remorseless punishment with this. Well, that would be cool. Right, nine mana. But you know, you could actually just kill someone from twenty if you set the <laughs> if you set the game up right. I mean, honestly, less crazy than it sounds. <laughs> a, uh, I mean, so a high end green deck, I think it's one of the intuitive ways. And the other intuitive place to play this is blue-white control with, like, maybe 28, 29 lands. You got these decks that want to make sure that they hit their first four to six land drops every single game. Right. So they play in excess of lands, but they have the tendency to get flooded in the mid-game. The way that they get around getting flooded is by playing cards like Dig Through Time, etc., that are translating uh, mana or large amounts of mana into spells 
Um, but you still could just top too many lands, right? And you got this. Those kind of decks actually want another source of colorless mana so they can play cards like Warping Whale, right? Right. Warping Whale is very good in this strategy. Um, or, you know, they could, these cards tend to have, have cards like Majoring Network, could have cards like Hangerback Walker, could have cards like, um, uh, what's UU, uh, uh, Thopter UU2, if you call if a colorless creature hits your opponent, you draw a card. Thopter Spy Network? Yeah, Thopter Spy Network. Like, so they often have these kind of weird interlocking colorless with blue-white, uh, things going on. Or it could just be like a regular blue-white deck and have a desire to play cards like Majoring Network, have a desire to play cards like, um... Dig through time and then convert excess land into spells again late in the game because they have so many lands. You know, 20 yeah, I mean, you you also you're also not locked into activating this as soon as you cast your spell, right? Like, you can cast your spell, your opponent responds with a counter spell. Yeah, copy it. Edward, sure. You can you can you can just copy your spell and say, okay, I'll cash in my land to to get a copy of that. Like six mana, two dig through times is probably unbeatable. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I'm gonna pay two dig through time, copy my dig through time. Yes, I'm right. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go 14 deep and yeah, find keep, the best four cards. Best four cards in my next 14. What do you think? Pr- pr- pretty hard to lose. I was just willing to blow up a land. Do you think I can yeah. win? <laughs> yeah. It's just probably done. And then that land's waiting for your next dig through time yeah. in your yard. The mirror pool is just set up. Next. That's what I was thinking, the exact same thing. Wait, I mean, is that better or worse than um, five mana double treasure cruise? <laughs> It's probably probably five mana double treasure cruise is worse than six mana double dig through time because that's a lot of commitment on your main phase. But sure, sure. I mean, I, I think this card is probably going to be like a one of or two of. It, and then like you probably have a string of, of top eights where there's one or two I'm, copies. Almost I'm just gonna week. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say five mana double treasure cruise is also pretty hard to beat though. It's definitely hard to beat though. Uh, yeah, six mana double dig through time like you you know you're lost. Yeah, five yeah, mana yeah, double yeah. treasure cruise you might just get them because their mana's tapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so needle spires card we talked about in the pre one of the the, the sort of build ups to this. Yeah, I yeah. Think this card's awesome. It's a uh, either the first or the second best of the of the current cycle of uh, creature lands. I think um, you can sometimes just kill people yeah, out of nowhere. I think like you've got no creatures in play, and then you just like break a wooded foothills, get this guy in, and then cast uh, become become a man. Just done, and they have no. They yeah. have, just there was just no indication that you were going to win the game. Right. But I think like, right. like you don't even have a creature. Oh, oh, hold on. You're dead. Yeah. And I mean it's fine. Like just a red it's, 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 it's if this card's on the board you you need to and and your opponent's playing a you know sort of strategy that's looking to pump its creatures then you you need to respect this card. But even if you're not, like even if you're just playing like a red white beatdown deck or a red white you know kind of Boros deck with like some creatures and some some spells and maybe it's got planeswalkers, maybe it's got monastery mentor, maybe it's got seeker of the way. Maybe it's got Soulfire Grandmaster, whatever it's got. Like you could just play this card. I played the the red white gain a life land last year. It was fine, right? You know, it's way better than that card. Yeah. Ruins right. of Oran Reef. Uh, Ruins of Oran Reef enters the battlefield tapped. Add colorless to your mana pool. Tap. Put a plus one plus one counter on target colorless creature that entered the battlefield this turn. I think this card's bonkers. Really bonkers. Why bonkers? Like, imagine you just just have this card and a From Beyond. You're going to lose? Yeah. It's pretty... It's like saying, the boringest thing that I could think of. Right. What if you have two copies of this card in play? And, I don't know... A From Beyond. <laughs> a Catacomb Sifter. Right. Are you going to lose? 
Sure. No, you're not. To stop lying. No, I think sure, sure, I can see it. I yeah, this I mean, seems, I, seems awesome. I mean, this is a card. This is a card you played when it was green, right? Yeah, and it won the world championship. That card was was uh, I mean, that's different. That was a three colored deck that actually cared about getting early green, but right, right. You know, this is designed for. A deck but I'm saying it was fun. It was a functionally features. a very similar card. Yeah, it was also an Orin Reef. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, the ruins right. of that card. <laughs> um. Was it like Orange Reef Refuge is the name of it, maybe? Yeah, I think that was the name of the card, yeah. So, yeah, it was just the same thing, but for green. Um, yeah, I think this card is very good. And I think, like, I think there's probably going to be versions of decks that are just, like, four Ruins of Orange Reef, four Hangerback Walker, you know, from beyond. Like, you just, let's say, if you play a Hangerback Walker on turn three with this, you put two into the Hangerback Walker and then tap the Ruins of Orange Reef, you have a 2-2 Hangerback Walker. Right, right. It just basically got you a half-mana rebate. I'm sorry, Full mana rebate on a plus one on the Hangerback Walker. Furthermore, you're getting an additional creature when the Hangerback Walker dies. Furthermore, if you get an untap, like one of those one ones you're getting from the Hangerback Walker is actually going to pay you off. Right. Like, it, like this card's really, really good in in strategies that have colorless creatures. Like, right. And like Reaver of Souls. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe that deck just has four Reality Smashers. Right. Like, what if you played a deck that was like this card? Hangerback Walker, Reality Smasher, and uh, Warping Whale, okay? Can you imagine somebody try to kill your, your, your Reality Smasher, discarding a card, and you Warping Whaling? <laughs> like, it's just... It's just unbelievable. You know? Like, I don't know. Is, a, is Thopter Spy Network artifact creature or colorless creature? I believe it's an uh, artifact creature. I think we should. I, I don't like to look. I can look. Up. I can look. Thopter right. Spy Network. Yeah, it's, it's no, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a Thopter token. It's an artifact Thopter token. So it is. It's a colorless token. Oh, but I thought it was if it's a colorless creature hits, not an artifact creature hits. Those are two different things. But a, an artifact creature is colorless. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking about getting somebody with a Reality Smasher. Oh, I see what you're saying. Anyway, I think like there's probably decks that have predominantly there is did I say predominantly twice? There are probably decks with predominantly colorless creatures that could really exploit Runes of Warren Reef. Maybe blue, maybe green. Um, but like Hangerback Walkers, Reality Smashers, Runes of Warren Reef, maybe maybe from beyond. These things are all gonna work really well together. I think those decks are likely to be more mid rangey than like heavy. You know, like you think of decks that are gonna definitely end up on on uh you know high end Aldrazi. I'm just thinking like, you know, maybe you've got like some I, I really just want to resolve a reality smasher with like a dispel up or something and then just demolish my opponents. <laughs> like the reality smasher's just too good. We talked about it a lot a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh Seagate Wreckage. Uh land, tap, add one colorless mana to your mana pool, or two and colorless tap draw card Activate this ability only if you have no cards in hand. Tim Ayton, uh put out had some posts today on from the Sunday Super Series where someone was like, "Why? Why did you think it was a good idea to put Library of Alexandria into Standard?" Because <laughs> he claimed, you know, he he took credit for designing the card. Like, I think that you could just have a deck that just like drops its hand quickly. And then you could have, like, multiple Seagate Wreckage in play. A lot of the decks that drop their hand quickly are dropping it with adding additional mana sources to play. So, like, you could just have an engine on the board. Um, I like this card a lot. 
uh, I, I like to compare a lot of the cards that are in this set, the lands in this set, mentally to wastes. I'm like, which ones are better than wastes? Yeah. And you know, some of them are not better than wastes, right? Like, some of them come into play tapped, and maybe they have a different application from wastes. But at the back of your mind, every single time with wastes, you have to remember that the constructed application of waste is often going to be in a deck with Evolving Wilds. Right, Evolving Wilds or, uh, or or some other thing yeah. that's letting you fetch basics. Like, uh, yeah. It's like, those matter. I think, like, Seagate Wreckage is a good example of, like, hey, if I really care about these colorless effects, you know, I think there's probably a deck with Seagate Wreckage and Ruins of Warren Reef. Both of those cards with Reality Smasher and Hangerback Walker, and that deck is probably great. Like, just great. Like, like, I don't know what color it is. Maybe it has no... I mean, it's probably got to have a color, right? I was just going to say, Seagate Wreckage doesn't want to be in the same deck with Dispel, is my guess. I mean, no, but it might want to be in the same deck as, like, Duress. Right. Oh, yeah, that seems much better. Like, those guys might be buddies. So, like, what if that the they're in the same deck as Thought Not Seer? Yeah. Those guys all might be friends. And, man, do I wish that that stupid thing wasn't an 0-1 creature. <laughs> or 1-0 creature, whatever. 0-1 creature. So. That would be unbelievable in this deck. Yeah. I would be happy if it came into play tapped. Alright, so, so Submerged Boneyard, Black Timber moon, Gorge. Timber Gorge, Red Green, Tranquil, Tranquil Expanse, Green White, we're skip all those. Unknown Shores, this is a reprint card. Um, it's just like an, a showcase of how yeah. colorless mana Yeah. Uh, is uh, is being depicted on a card. Um, not not a card that's seen a lot of constructed play in any of its iterations. Sure. Reed Duke and Patrick Chapin played one copy in their Worlds deck in <laughs> 2000 and... I don't know what year. 2011? I'm going to go with 2011, their Worlds deck. Yeah. I think they played one. Yeah. Uh, Reed went X1 on day one. Yeah. Wandering Fumarole, blue-red, manland. Uh, interesting picture. It looks like it's straight out of Mordor. Uh, taps for blue or red. Comes to play tapped. Rare card. Two blue-red. Until end of turn, Wandering Fumarole becomes a 1-4 blue and red elemental creature with zero. Switch this creature's power and toughness until end of turn. It's still a land. If we ever do that feature on fetchland.com, where Chris Lansdell explains how rules work, I think we should dedicate one to Wandering Fumarole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So imagine this. You've got a 1-4 Wandering Fumarole, and you attack somebody, and then they're like, no blocks, and you're like, all right, zero, switch it to 4-1, and they go, okay, resolves. And then they go, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you switch to 4-1. They don't say it resolves. They go, in response... Fiery impulse it. Go. <laughs> yeah, that's never good for you. It's never good because if you if they let it resolve, it's fine, right? Yeah. They're like yeah. in response just then you're like, alright. Resolves, alright, I'm gonna flip my thing if that's resolved on this deck. But if they do it correctly in response, um <laughs> then Yeah. Yeah, it never has it never it never yeah. gets to a state where it can flip back. Yep. So that would be I think that would be an interesting thing to discuss, even though we basically discussed it all just now. Yeah. The important thing about wandering fumeral <laughs> likely to be the best of the manlands of this cycle it's I, I think the red white one is in contention this one's great because it's in colors that really appreciate having a non-creature creature uh it's great because it hits really hard if the coach is clear right it can close the it can close the game out once once 
you've wrested control of it, right? Yeah, it's great because a 1-4 creature is good at blocking. It's, you know, relatively economical. I mean, 4 is expensive, but it's not prohibitively expensive. Like, if you've got, like, 5 or 6 mana, you can have a Dispel open. Um, and I think just it's, it's easy to kill someone in chunks of 4. It only takes a few turns. Especially if you're red. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's 4 different kinds of wastes. All of them will be played. <laughs> and I and I think you've you've talked extensively about the role you see for that card in constructed. You know, oftentimes maybe even just as a one of in a deck that has a way to fetch it. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's going to be essential for playing cards like Spatial Contortion, um, Warping Whale. I had both of those in my deck yesterday. By the way, did you cast them successfully? I I did. They were both great. Um. All right. So that is, I think that's it for our Oath of the Gatewatch previews. Yeah, I think we've talked about every card. I'm sorry, reviews, not previews. Uh, check back for just some random chatter about what we're watching on television. Right now? No, <laughs> the future. This podcast is like an hour and a half long. <laughs> hour 44 right. by my count. Okay, wow, right. that's a long one. All right, so for Michael J. Flores uh, and Brian David Marshall, signing off from Top 8 Magic, remember, go to our Facebook page, give us a like there. Follow us at Five with Flores and at Top 8 Games on Twitter. And, uh, I mean, although you probably already do, because that's how you came to this podcast, of course. And uh, do me a favor and uh, check out uh, Kitchen Table Gaming on YouTube. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.